Welcome to Pass the Mic, a POC written and produced podcast that is hosted by me, Rahel Haile. Um, So we're on episode 10. This is super exciting. Um, Thank you for coming along with us in this process. Um, This is also the last episode where, like next episode, I will have professional equipment. So that'll be super exciting. We'll have a better listening experience, hopefully. Um, But we have a guest here today and I would like, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Uh, My name is Khadija Cooper and I work at a sexual health clinic for adolescents, which is very cool. I love that. Yep. And then I do stand-up comedy and I'm a mom living life. That's awesome. Um, So... You do stand-up comedy. I want to know how you got into that and like how you got started in that. Yeah, so comedy has been something that's been in my life for a very long time. My mom actually did stand-up comedy. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. So before um, like child protection was really on their game, my mom would bring me to comedy clubs when I was like eight years old, and I would like watch her do comedy and just thinking it was like this cool thing like she's telling jokes and making people laugh a lot of the stuff she was talking about I had no I didn't understand what she was saying but I was like whatever she's saying it's funny and everybody's laughing and so after that me and my mom actually did a cable access show when I was when I was 12 it was called the Casey and Cece show and it was just basically like me and my mom like cutting up acting a fool and then it would air like Sunday morning at like 10 a.m. right after the highlight for the sports for like Cooper High School that for that week. So yeah, so we did that. And then I just kind of like, that was it. (laughs) I was like done with show business. And then um, I was 35 and I've been wanting to do comedy for a very long time, but just like working, I was really focused on my career. And like just being a mom was very encompassing of my life and my daughter was 14 I was 35 she was like independent didn't want nothing to do with me (laughs) and so I called my mom was like okay let's go so we went to open mic and I did three minutes and I was hooked after that that's awesome I like uh I actually know someone um in my life who has always wanted to do stand-up comedy but she's like I can't do it. Like that's so much, like that's so much to put yourself out there. Like, how do you, I guess you've always been doing it, but like how, what advice do you have for people who just like want to do that? Yeah. I think go to open mics. Cause those are the most forgiving spaces mm-hmm. and usually like pretty small and try out some stuff. And usually there might not be an audience. There might be an audience at these open mics, but like just getting really familiar on stage. Um, Watch a lot of stand-up comedy. I think that's really important to watch just a variety of stand-up comedy, stuff that you know that you think is super funny, stuff that you don't know. You're like, this is not funny at all. Like, why are you, why do you have a Netflix special? <laughs> watch it all. Cause then that will help you figure out like how you want to deliver jokes and not just listen, but really like listen to the mechanics of it. And then the best advice I could give anybody is YouTube how to tell jokes on stage. Yeah. And then watch as many videos as you can and like understand the formula. Cause that was something I didn't know when I went up there the first time I just went up there. I was like, okay, here I go. I'm going to be funny. Do And then actually taking a step back and knowing that there's a formula and like a couple like 
definitive things that you could do to get laughs yeah. um, was really helpful. I'm not saying that I do any of those things on stage, but, I, <laughs> but I've heard of them. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Um, I like want to know, do you think you have a unique experience um, as a Black woman being in comedy, especially in the Twin Cities? Yeah, I do. I, um, I've been doing comedy for nine months and I feel like I really hit the scene hard. Yeah. And just from my observation, there's not that many Black females that I've really seen be out there and do comedy. Um, Ashley Henderson, she is one of the funniest people that I know. She's doing comedy all over the place. She's like hosting events. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of other like women of color doing comedy. It's just not like in this like mainstream kind of um, places that I've seen. And it's actually helpful because, you know, when somebody wants diversity, there's only a small number of people that they call or that, you know, are doing comedy. And I think that's like one of the great things about being like a black woman. I mean, there's a long list. Yeah. (laughs) But here's just one more that like it adds diversity to shows where it's like usually all white men doing stand up comedy. Yeah. And not everybody wants to see that, yeah. you know? No, that's cool. Um, hopefully someday there'll be more variety. I the, And there is variety. It's just like, I don't want to say segregated, but, yeah. they, you know, but there's like... The spaces. Or, there's spaces, right? And I think those spaces are important to have urban clubs and have other clubs and, you know, where people can just kind of like cut loose with their own folks. I think that's important, but I also think it's important to make sure we're integrating things and like different people are hearing a variety of comedy when they go to a show because they're paying for this experience and, you know, this same same thing, same thing, you know, you want a little bit of variety. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, What else have you noticed in like the Twin Cities comedy scene? Yeah, so something that I have definitely noticed is that just because like you're doing comedy and you may not be like getting the most jokes if you're that I guess what I'm saying is like you don't necessarily have to be funny to like do comedy yeah you know you could be entertaining and people will still like want you on shows I think I've been really fortunate just the way I've moved through comedy this last nine months um just being kind of like fearless with it you know I'm 35 or how old am I 35 (laughs) I don't know. I'm 35. I feel really like like solid in who I am. So I think that was that worked out well for me yeah. to be able to move through these spaces. Um, but I do notice that like there's not a lot of variety. But then like you'll see like more women come in, and you're like, yes. And I've seen a lot of people being intentional about doing like all women shows, or you know, people of color shows, or um lgbtq shows just making sure we're highlighting all different voices but within all of that is still like the minority of the main voices that are being heard in the twin cities from my small like you know grasp that i've had so far yeah i think that's a thing throughout like a lot of things through minnesota minneapolis Mm -hmm. um that like things are starting to become more varietized and like there are things that are popping up mm-hmm. but like that's not the norm right yeah right I definitely agree it's not the norm but then 
when it happens, people are excited about it. Yeah. You know, because people are like something different. Yeah. And I love that there's not just in comedy, but all different arts forms and everything. Like people are like, no, like we deserve a space and like people want to see us and like, you know, things like that. I just went to a burlesque show and I was like, this is like, I've never been to a burlesque show. Oh, I went like, I used to go a lot like a couple of years ago. You did? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it was at, it was actually right next to the comedy. Was it called The Lab? Does that sound like a, Maybe. Like, like a real thing? Yeah. Sounds like a thing. Okay. So it, that's the thing. And it was the Minneapolis Burlesque Festival oh. and it was phenomenal. All different like genders and body types and like skin colors and like juiciness and like skinniness and like people up and down and climbing on things. It was amazing. And it's like, this is what like, this is life, right? Like variety, people doing all sorts of things, living their truth in a safe place. Like I wish it could be translated everywhere, but it was just like nice to have it for like those couple hours, you know? Yeah. I was, um, we're going up on burlesque, but I'm going to go there. Go. Um, So I used to go, to shows because I knew someone kind of distantly who does burlesque. Mm-hmm. Um, and the company that they were with um, were just like, they were trying to make a statement with like everything they did. So like whether it was funny or serious or whatever, they just wanted a reaction um, and people to like connect with their work. And then also have, and they talked about how um, those shows like, helps them come out of their shell because like it helps them like like put themselves out there and then it gives them confidence and then like all those things i think it's super dope yeah i've heard that doing that for you know people when they do burlesque like i just wanted to like feel good about my body and like people are like your body's amazing and they're like oh yeah oh shoot yeah and it gives them power because they don't have they don't have to do anything right Right. so exactly yeah um, I want to talk about like the people of comedy specifically yeah. Yeah. and like talk more about that. Yeah. So I'll take you back just a little bit. Yes. So, um, it was created by Ali Saltin. He is, um, this dope comic that's been around for maybe like eight years or so. He's been featured with Kevin Hart on Heart of the City. He just did a special, I think that like Wanda Sykes was executive producing. So he's been like really in the scene for a while and saturated. Um, He's Lebanese. So he's a, you know, a person of color as well, navigating the space and being really successful at it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was doing comedy and, you know, you hear, you know, in most places, especially in Minnesota, like you hear people's name, you're like, who is this person that people keep saying? And I was at Acme one time and I seen him do his stand up, and I was like, oh, he's super funny. Yeah. But I was like, do I go up and talk to him? So I'm like, he, to me, I get very like, cele- like when I see celebrities, I'm like, ah! Yeah. You know, like, and even if they're like local celebrities, like I saw Jason from the Jason show, it might as well have been Prince. I was like, <laughs> I was like, hi, Jason, I'll see your show. Um, and so that's what I was going through in that moment. And I just walked up to him. I was like, good set. And I just like walked away. <laughs> like, <laughs> so mean. Like, just awkward. Like, good set. And he was super nice. He was like, thanks. Um, and then I seen him again. And at and then he was like, okay, I'm doing, I want to start this like people of comedy thing. I think it's really important. He definitely has a name in the Twin Cities comedy scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, I, I would love for you to like 
be a part of the show. And I was like, um, yes, please. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, and then he got another lady named Elise Cole. She's super dope. And the nice, the thing that is really special about Ali is that me and Elise haven't even been doing comedy a year. Yeah. And, and Elise um, is a Jewish, um, Israeli, so she's also a woman of color as well. And so for him to see like two women, like brand new in comedy, comedy like really grind and being like, hey, like he could have almost picked anybody yeah in the twin cities like let's do this thing and he picked us to like co-produce us with them which was like an amazing opportunity and it wasn't that he wanted this to be like people of comedy like to be only for people of color right it's not just people of color doing the comedy on the shows like the tagline is diversity of thought right to really like expand it that we don't have to have these spaces exclusively, you know, urban spaces or not urban spaces, like it could all live together yeah. and still have those spaces too, because I think that's important. Um, and so we kind of just like called up, he got with Sisyphus Brewery in Minneapolis, yeah. who um, that room was built by a comedian. Um, mm -hmm. It's ran by Corey Adams, who's always been super dope to me. He actually gave me my first 10 minutes ever in comedy <laughs> on his show on New Kids on Tap, um, which is just nice for him making that space. Because let me tell you, 10 minutes of comedy is impossible to get when you're new. Yeah. Three minutes. That's all you get. Yep. Three minutes. Boop, boop, boop. Um, so for him to be given the opportunity in new comics to get 10 minutes in a really awesome room is great. So it happened at Sisyphus. Our first show sold out. It was great. We had like a bunch of comics. People really received it well. And so moving forward, we were really trying to think of like, okay, we had this really successful show. Let's like kind of come back a little bit and really think about what we want this to be because yeah. this, we're on to something. And the couple of things that came out of that is that one, we just wanted it to be quarterly. We really wanted it to be like this event, right? Mm -hmm. That people, not weekly, not monthly, but just like every three months, this, this beautiful thing is going to happen. Mm -hmm. With beer yeah. and laughter. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Equals happiness um, in my world. Um, and then also we're doing two shows because we sold down. We don't want to turn anyone away. We're just, and then we get to engage more comics because it's different comics on both, on both shows. So that's nice awesome. too. Um, and then the thing that we really are excited about is that we decided to like a hundred percent of the proceeds will go to like a youth serving organization that has to do with the arts um, yeah. in some way. Cause we all, we could, I, we could go off on a tangent of how like that's not being funded yeah. and like, like, and the thing about like nonprofits and people working with youth, you know, like you can make a lot happen with a little bit of money. Yep. You know, <laughs> like someone <laughs> sure. you get a dollar, you like, we're gonna do so much with this dollar. Yeah, this dollar's gonna go so far. Um, so we felt that for our first show that we're gonna donate to um high school recording arts, check yourself crew. Um, it's a uh, these young people are so awesome. They're sending good messages through hip hop with the peer education model. And, you know, we know from research that peer education is the best way to reach young people. Young people telling young people about things is the best way to have that behavior change. I feel and that. yep. And so what, um, 
Check Yourself crew is doing is really spreading like safe sex and like healthy relationship messages through hip hop, spoken word, R&B singing, things of that nature. And so, which is great because sometimes like you'll be jamming out, you're like, oh my gosh. And then you like, when you actually listen, listen to the words, you're like, oh my God, you're saying like such amazing things and talking about consent. And especially like in the black community, talking yeah. about consent and like healthy relationships is doing more for the community, breaking down stigma, talking about getting tested for HIV and chlamydia and gonorrhea. So they're doing amazing things. So we are so, so honored to be able to give them, you know, a little bit of help. And I know whatever they get, they're going to be able to do so much with it because that's what we do. Yeah. You know, that's how we, that's how we do it. I totally feel the peer education thing. I think like in general, people don't really um, see that. I think like mm -hmm. a lot of people are like, we just need to engage youth and then <laughs> that's it. Mm -hmm. And not thinking about who's delivering that message. Right. Um, and so I totally resonate with that. Um, Absolutely. Cause like I've ran into some stuff in terms of like, I'm 26. I'm not even I'm like, I'm, I'm not even that young, but like right. in general people being weird. Cause they're like, young people talking to young people like who handles the money like who like who knows how you know right. you get that stuff and you're like well we do because we're smart like, yeah. You know? like right yeah um so you know i totally feel that and that's really awesome that you guys are supporting that yeah so we're really excited about that our next show's coming up so when is what, it it's november 2nd yes so it's gonna be great it's at sisyphus brewery tickets are ten dollars and i'll tell you honestly when i broke down the numbers you would have to spend probably a hundred dollars to see the magnitude of people who are going to be on this show. No matter if you come to the first show, no matter if you come to the second show, there's so many amazing comics and my mom's headlining the second show. Oh my God. Yep. So the first show will be at 7.30. The second show will be at 9.30, allegedly. Like we're going to, we're going to try to get yeah. that running on time. <laughs> uh, sometimes it'd be stressful, but uh, so that's going to be super fun. And um, a couple folks from Check Yourself Crew, just the ones who are over 21, will be there. So the community will be able to engage with them as well. So that's going to be so fun. And I'm hosting both shows, which I love to do. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Um, and I, I live not that far from Sisyphus, actually. Um, yeah, and I want to know going deeper into your comedy specifically mm -hmm. um like what your point of view is what your process is like i want to learn about that yeah so my process really is taking my life experience i always like run that message back it's funny because it's true yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and so i run that back a lot and I keep a black book with me wherever i go so when funny things happen i write it down and then i make a bit out of it so like um like a joke out of it so i do that so a lot of it is just my real life you know i talk about being a sex educator mm -hmm. i talk about being a mom i talk about being in an interracial relationship yep. in this administration and how great that is <laughs> i just got out of one so i totally understand you know um and like the dynamics with that i talk about you know me and this is the thing that um i really do notice that hurts my heart. That I don't feel like you have to be self-deprecating to be funny. Yeah. You know, I love my body. I love myself. I, I don't have a problem with that. And again, maybe it's because I walk 
through this, you know, I'm a little further along in my journey and I'm kind of like, here we are. I've settled into my mom body <laughs> and I'm embracing it, yeah, you know? I love that. Um, so I always talk about like, if I had my own hashtag, it'd be like confidence comedy. Like I want somebody to not only laugh at the things that is happening in my life, but also be like, oh, like I can still feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. Like I can go into a store and have to like start shopping in the women's section, which is tragic for a woman when that happens. <sighs> It's yeah. tragic when you like look at the junior section and yep. you're like, nope, nope, can't do that. No booty shorts. Nope, not nope. a halter top. Okay, we're going to run over here. Elastic pants. Okay, cardigans with buttons. All right. <laughs> this is what I'm doing now. You know? Yeah. And so that's funny because like you're going through it. Yeah. It's true. It's yeah. It's true. It's funny because it's true. And I think as long as you like have some type of authenticity, for me, it just works with me. I can't do political comedy. That's not my thing. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't keep up on celebrities, so I can't really talk about them. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know what's going on with their life. <laughs> that I can't live that I can't be worried about that. I got my own life. I have to live. So I don't really talk about that. So what's left? I'm gonna talk about me. Yeah. I'm an only child. I wanna talk about me. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I was an only child for seven years. So you were? Yes. How then- was that? It was good. I, um, it was good for me. And then I was like telling my parents, it's like, I want a brother or a sister. Like I want one. And then they were like, okay, pray for one. And then that happened. And then when he came, I was like, I don't want him anymore. Too late. Yeah. You spoke. See, that's, look how powerful speaking stuff into existence (laughs) is. Look how powerful. I've been saying that lately at work. I'm like, I'm just going to speak this into existence, Mm -hmm. which means that someone should write it down for me. Yeah. So I can do it. Yeah. Speaking into existence, you don't have a baby brother. Okay. Yes, that's it. That's how that goes. Yeah. Um, I want to go, you talked in the beginning about like you doing some stuff as a child with your mom mm-hmm. and then stopping and then coming back. Yeah. I want to know why you stopped and then why you came back. Yeah. So I think I stopped. I mean, I did like a couple plays in school, yeah. like nothing too major, but I think a little bit what happened is like, I was just fine figuring it out, figuring out my way. I think, you know, when you're a young person, you don't really understand like why your parents are like strict or why your parents are like trying to keep tabs on you or anything like that. And I didn't really understand that until I was a little bit older and a parent. Um, and I think too, the, the thing that I think really kind of messed it up was that my birthday's in November, so I turned 18 too fast. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I should have turned 18 in the summer, but I turned 18 too fast because on my 18th birthday, I moved out of my mom's house. Mm. And I was like, I'm grown now, peace. I got friends with an apartment. Um, and so, but I continued to go to school. I don't know how. And I graduated on time and just like working and then having a baby, I think really kind of like focused my life in a different way. And, you know, I tried going to school for like medical assisting, like that was weird. I didn't like that. And then like working and just like feeling really lost and having to like, you know, go to church to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like pasta, (laughs) help me Lord. You know what I'm saying? Like I had to go back to like my grandma and be like, ah, need some healing. Um, And then I got some healing. And then I decided to go to school for human services and I fell in love with it, which I think was always kind of burning inside of me, like always something that I really wanted to do. Um, And I went to MCTC, which was really good. It was flexible enough with my schedule, working full time and having a child. And so I just like went through that real 
two years, like done. And then I knew about the annexing clinic because I went to Cooper High School, which was like right down the street from the annex and I needed to get an internship. And so I went to the annex and got an internship and fell in love with sexual health. And then I worked there for a really long time and, you know, was a sexuality educator for five years. And then I've been a program coordinator for the last two years and supervising folks and just feeling like, okay, like life was really kind of just like all came together, right? Like play tectonics, yes. like separated it. And then Jesus, again, put it back together. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and so then I was looking around and my daughter was, you know, 14 and kind of not doing her own things. I still had to drive her places, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like had a different level of independence that I wasn't used to and just being 14, like, I don't want you around. I was like, oh, I don't want to be around you either. I'll go do some comedy. Um, and then it just like ignited it. But it was always something that was like, oh, you watch a comedy special, you go see a comedy show, or, you know, my mom would be doing stuff throughout the years. And I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. Like, and just like, I could do that. Like, no. Yeah. I can't do that. I could do that. No. Yep. I can't. And then someone's like, just do what scares you. And I was like, Ugh! and then I was like, you're the devil. Like, how do you know what's in my mind? <laughs> and I did. I just did something that scares me. And, just hit it hard, wasn't the funniest person with a day job competition, made it to the finals with that. So I just, yeah, I just love comedy so much and who knows where it's going to take me, but I'm definitely doing my part to make sure it goes somewhere. Yeah. And if it doesn't, I'm copacetic with where my life is right now today. Yeah. I love that. I was actually just about to ask you, um, like how if you get nervous and how you deal with that, but you kind of said a little bit about it. Like, yeah, I do get very nervous. Almost. It doesn't matter where I'm at. So yeah. I do a lot of breathing stuff. Then that's the nice thing about working in nonprofit. You yes. work with a lot of very like holistic folks that yep. tell, tell you how to breathe. Right. <laughs> yes. And how to like get your heart rate down. Yep. So we talk about that too. <laughs> yep. So I like doing the like, what is it called? Three, 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 like breathe in for three, hold for three, breathe out for three. Yes. That really helps me. And then I would like to shake my hands a lot because that helps get like that nervous energy out. And um, even though I've never done it yet, but I always feel like I'm going to throw up. Yes. It's never actually happened. And then I get out on stage and then it's just like, and then it just kind of like go. Yeah. Not all the time. There's There's a lot of times where you're like, Nobody laughed. Did they know I was telling jokes? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that happens to everybody. So just as many good nights as there is, there's just as many nights where you're like, okay, well, that didn't go the way I wanted it to. Yeah. So let's think about that. <laughs> I love your process in terms of like carrying a book with you everywhere and then just being like, that was funny. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you know how like other comics... Like, do, uh, ever, does everyone, like, just have a notebook that they take everywhere? Or, I don't know. I think some comics have, like, a notebook or they use their phone a lot. Yeah. Um, I've literally had conversations with comics before they went on stage. And then the conversation we had became a bit on stage. Like, I know <laughs> comics that can just do it just like that. Um, you know, I think a lot of people do comedy that's like somehow reflected about their life a yes. little bit. Some people, you know, maybe the jokes are closely to the truth than others. Mm -hmm. um, but I think everybody pulls from that like, 
place inside of them that's like, oh, this happened when I was a kid or this happened today or I'm a mom or, you know, something that's really like almost personal. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I've seen people do like really good comedy where it's like political comedy, yeah. but then you have to know your audience too. Yeah. I've walked in places like I'm doing this set and I walked in, I was like, okay, this crowd, you know, is not going like this. <laughs> let me let me see what else I got in my bag, you know? Yeah. Um, and sometimes you have to do that too. The thing that I love about stand-up comedy is that like usually it's a date night thing. Yes. So that's really that's always really helpful and I really love good. That. I do too, because it's so if you have nothing else, so how long are y'all on a first date? You could just like play with the audience. Yes. You know? Yeah, I love that. I um have never taken someone on a first date to a comedy show. Uh, have I even been to a comedy show? What? Well, you're about to on November 2nd. Yes, I am. I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, like, there was improv at our, like, college that I, like, went to all the time because my friends did it. Yeah. But besides that, like, I don't think I've gone somewhere, like, in my community. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so here is... Here's the tip, people. You don't have to have money to go see comedy. Yes. If you like go to open mics, most of them are free. Yes. Most of them are free. Any night of the week, pretty much every single night of the week, you can go see a show for free. Yeah. Minnesota has such good comedy shows, such good comedy clubs. And I'm not just talking about, not just Acme and not just um, House of Comedy. There's like Sisyphus is great. There's so many good spaces doing comedy right now. Um, and they're very easy to find. And if they do cost money, I mean, most shows are under ten dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's dope. Um, I want to know, like, do you know how your mom got started in comedy? Like, how did this like family thing like happen? I mean, we're just so funny. <laughs> that's what happened. I don't know how she got. That's a good question. Let's call her right now. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello, mom. I don't know your life. I'm 35. Um, I don't know how she got started in comedy. She's always been, like, quite the character. Yes. If I describe my mom to you, you're like, that's not one person. Yeah. You know, like, she's 5'5". Five, five, she has dreads down to her butt. I love She that. rides a motorcycle. She worked in corporate America. She, like, has an MBA, and then she listens to country music. Like, that's, this is one person. Yeah. I love that, though. Because I do you have so many experiences to draw from. Yeah. I did not love that growing up. I was like, you're the most embarrassing person in the world. Who are you? What are you wearing? Like, stop it. Um, but then when I got older, I appreciated it, right? Because she's 100% who she is. And she doesn't, like, apologize for it. She's unapologetically her. And that's something that was so amazing to see growing up. And I wish I would have appreciated it a little bit more when I was younger. Mm. So for all you younger folks, appreciate being different. That's what makes you so special. Yeah. So great. Um, I feel like all parents embarrass their kids in some way. I hope so. I think that's the thing. I hope so. I know. It is. And as much as I hate it, every time I can, I do it to my daughter. <laughs> every time. I don't skip a beat. I love that. I like. <laughs> I can just imagine it. Like, my dad does that sometimes. I'm trying to think of like, but my parents are kind of like normies, you know? Yes. So, I would love that. I would love a normal... Like somber, <laughs> it's kind parenting of like, situation. It is kind of great, but also like you know, 
You want to like, like sometimes that happens. It up. Yeah, it's, it, it up. gets too live sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's too live. Um, but everyone thinks my mom is hilarious. I don't know how she got started doing comedy. I do know that she's been doing it for probably since I've been eight. I was going to say, on she, and off. Has yeah. she been doing it? Since you guys were doing it together when you were younger till now? She, no, she's taken some time off, okay. like, throughout the years, just, you know, ebbs and flows. I think, you know, when you've done comedy for that long and you're kind of, like, in the same space, it's like, okay, I'm going to just take a break. And yeah. I think me starting doing comedy kind of really helped her be like, oh, I'm going to start doing comedy again. Yeah. And then it, like, re- reignites that flame that's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I love comedy. This is exactly what I want to be doing. So it's kind of cool to be, like, having that experience with her. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to go a little bit, like, this is, you know, a podcast episode about your comedy and about the people of comedy show and all that stuff. I want to go like a little bit into like your work. Yes. And like, talk about that. yeah. Okay. Here we go. Um, so what do you want to know? I want to know everything. Yeah. I want to know everything. Okay. Um, I want to know what it's like. Um, and, yeah. um, you told me a little bit about your journey of getting into it. Yep. And now I want to know, like, how was it? What was it like starting to like educate people yeah. on sexual health and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, it, getting started, I was nervous. Yeah. Because sexual health is so like rooted in values. Yeah. And at the time when I was getting started, I was like, I don't know how to separate what I think is right from what like these young people need. Mm-hmm. Because one thing I knew for sure is like the young people that I'm gonna be working with they are experts in their life. I don't know them. They're an expert in their life. And it's not my job or my role to tell them what to do or what to think. It is my role and my job to tell them, like to get them to think about how to think about things and to understand their own self and to give them fact-based information. And that's the one thing that I really loved about that. I just, the annex, the annex is because I feel like that's how we're doing it. We're just saying it's fact-based education for young people. A majority of what we do because of the way we're funded is evidence-based curriculum that has been rigorously tested and proven that if you do this curriculum like it's written, like it will have these outcomes. And usually the outcomes that we're going for are, you know, like reducing STIs within young people and pregnancy prevention um, as well. With that, we also do parent education, which is something that I really love. That's super cool. It is super cool because we're working with parents of young people, middle school and high school. And I think we do a really good job, especially in Minnesota and the Twin Cities, of being like um, early childhood family education. Mm -hmm. So we're like, yes, you just had a baby. We're going to support you. Yes, you have a toddler. We're going to support you. You have a middle schooler. Good luck. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's when we need you the most. Yeah, that's when things are going haywire. Yeah, right. And like when you really understand development, that is really like an opening lens. So doing parent education is so important to me. Not only because I'm raising a 14 year old daughter, but I know parents like want this information. They just don't know that it's out there. Yeah, like we're doing this for free. We are supporting parents on how to have courageous conversations with their kids. And the thing that I like about the approach that we use is that we're saying whatever your values are, they're fine. Yep. You know, like we are really transparent that we're saying like everybody has sexuality. It's something that we have from birth to death. Right. We we want people to know like we are kind of behind that like 
statement, right? Yeah. But with that being said, whatever your values are, they're fine. But how do you communicate that with your child so that they're making less risky decisions and able to make decisions that, you know, they feel good about when they have the choice to make a decision? I think that's awesome. Yeah. I um, dabbled, like I did some like politics stuff in college and whatever and dabbled a little bit in while I was doing that in going into our, cause I went to school in a, um, like West central Minnesota, U of mm-hmm. M Morris. Um, and their high school teaches taught at least, um, abstinence only education. Their teen pregnancy rates were like through the roof. Through the roof. Yeah. Um, and we were like, what? Like we're, our college is literally like half a mile. You can see it. Yeah. Like, let's think about doing like an after school program where like college uh-huh. students teach high schoolers like about their resources yeah. and all of that stuff. Uh-huh. And then it didn't work out. Um, Cause it's a conservative, it's a, it's a very liberal school and a very conservative right. town. Yeah. You and can we were, do what you want within these walls. Yeah. You step out of these walls. No good. Yeah. And like the funny, actually it's not funny, um, but we were getting the go ahead to do it actually and we were getting into the process and we were like oh cool like let's do some research on like how to do this and like whatever and um and the principal was like yeah like let's like it would have to be an opt-in situation whatever um but then this principal gets accused of sexual assault and gets kicked out of the school Uh oh Oh my god yeah how does that happen I i was like how is this happening that like I was like, oh, this guy is great. He's helping us out. Right. It's like, nope, that's not the case. Abort mission, abort mission. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I dabbled in that. Didn't happen. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But it was that was a really good model. And, like, good for you for trying. Yeah. You know, good for you. But, like, that's good that there are clinics out there that are doing that. Yeah. So then, like... Especially with the like whole value situation. Absolutely. Because like that was a barrier that we were coming through. It's like, you're the college students. Like you're from this liberal school. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you're going to tell. And it's like, no, we just want to like tell people what their resources are and like, right. talk about it. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool. Yeah. And I think there is a lot of even that in the cities, there are some school districts that are really conservative and like don't want to have us come in or, you know, the school boards don't necessarily like translate to like who the student population is and like making decisions. And I think um, something that we were, we're able to do is really like, okay, what is the big picture? Like, yes, we want to go teach sex ed to young people because they deserve this information. Yeah. Like how do we expect them to make good decisions? We're withholding information from them. That's a whole nother stuff. Don't get me started. <laughs> but, and like, we, I just like, will tell principals like, I want young people to be able to like make good decisions. I want them to be able to graduate high school. You got to speak their language. Yeah. I want, I want, you know, when you talk about like graduation and like education, because in the education system, obviously like that's their focus. Yeah. Like some schools don't even have a health class because it's like, there's no standards for it. They're not testing on it. They're really focused on these certain things that are tested for it because then your school gets money and then there's a lot of other things that go along with it. And I think um, when you just kind of talk about like, oh, we're having these conversations with young people, they're able to navigate their life in a more healthier way that will have them be able to come to class. Because one thing I'll tell you for sure, 
talk to anybody, talk, ask them to go back when they were 16 and in love. Did you want to go to school? Were you focused? Were you your best student when you were heartbroken? Yep. Were you your best student if like you were having like a sexual relationship with someone and you didn't really quite understand it for a lot of reasons? You probably weren't your best student. Yes. You probably got by, but probably not your best. I think there's a lot of like commonality with that. And I appreciate not only what the annex is doing, but everyone that works at the annex, they are so like skilled in facilitating these conversations with young people to get young people to think about healthy relationships, sexuality, communication, negotiating safe sex. How do they advocate for their own body and their own health? And how do they like navigate the health system? Yes. Right. Cause the annex is a youth clinic and a lot of these young people are navigating the health system for the first time mm -hmm. by themselves independently. And I, my hope is that when they come to the annex and get the kind of care and respect that they deserve, when they age out of the annex, they know they have standards for their health care. And we know like young people and people of color are not getting the same standard of health care as their white counterparts. But when they have an experience of such a high quality experience, they'll be like, this isn't like that. This wasn't, I wasn't treated like this at the annex. Mm -hmm. Something's not right. And so they'll be able to ask those questions and push back and hopefully just live a longer healthier life because they'll be able to not be so afraid to access those systems. That's incredible. I love that. Cool. So I want to like transition back into your comedy um, and ask you, we usually do something fun at the end and it's usually some lame game that I come up with five minutes before. Um, and I would, if you were able to, I would love if you could do a set for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, here we go. So like I said, I teach sex ed. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically like me going into the classroom telling boys where the G spot is. <laughs> because I have a mission that the next generation of girls are going to be have sexual pleasure and that it's gonna happen. Yes. And so for anybody who's listening that doesn't think that's funny, that's because you don't know where the G spot is. <laughs> and you're gonna Google it pretty soon. The thing also that I love about teaching sex ed to kids is whoever made that phrase, there's no such thing as stupid questions, never taught sex ed. Real talk. So we do this thing that's called anonymous questions and it's basically us going into the classroom. We're saying, hey kids, ask us any question, anything. Don't put your name on it. Put on this little, little paper, put it in this box. And so one day it was anonymous question time. I pull out a question and it says verbatim, Hey, sex lady. <laughs> I had to stop them right there. I said, don't call me that. That's a crime. Don't call me that. My name's on the board. It's Khadijah. Okay. Next thing it says, is masturbating 12 times a day too much or is that putting up rookie numbers? So I took a pause and I looked out at the class and I said, that is a very good question. They make us say that. That was not a good question. It's a stupid question. <laughs> And I said, well, if you want to become an all-star, you better be putting it up 25 times a day or you're just going to be sitting on the bench your whole life. <laughs> and so I said that. And then when I kind of like looked up and looked at the class, there was like 16 boys just crying. And one boy just like walked out. It was, oh my God. It was funny for me. It was not great for them, but... 
I guess, you know, but it is funny. And I always say, like, we were all kids once. We all asked stupid questions. You know, I know I used to. I used to ask my mom who my father was. So, you know, that happens. And I don't feel sorry for me, folks. Look at me now. I'm on a podcast. I'm living my best life. Um, so I actually am 35 and now that I'm getting older, I really thought about it's time for me to start doing my part in taking care of the planet and start. So I started recycling, um, the makeup on my face because my motto is tonight's eyeliner is tomorrow's smoky eye. That's a life hack. Um, one time I told that joke and somebody DM me and was like, I didn't wash my face and like my eyes hurt now and I don't have a smoky eye. I was like, first of all, never take hygiene advice from a comedian. Thank you. Come to my next show. Um, I love being 35. I do feel kind of like still hip and cool, but every once in a while I am reminded that I'm not <laughs> like, like I swear if one more hipster offers me kombucha, I'm going to lose it. I don't like that shit. I don't, I don't want to drink it. I don't want no avocado on my toes. I want my avocado in guacamole like it's supposed to. I want grape jelly on my toast. That's how I like to keep things. I don't like it. Um, I I know I'm getting older because somebody told me to Venmo them. <laughs> and I had no idea what that was. Like, to me, Venmo sounds like something the Power Rangers do right before they, like, beat up somebody. Like, red Power Ranger, yellow Power Ranger, Venmo up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not something that I think, like transfers money yes like if someone says hey venmo me the money i think it's something that the jetsons call their maid behind her back you know like hey jan rosie sure is such a venmo she didn't clean the kitchen enough am i right like i just don't i don't understand it (laughs) this is fun i love doing comedy so much the thing that i really love about doing comedy is that I am the diversity in comedy. And I like to tell people that on stage. And this one time, this little older, like white lady, very sweet, came up to me and was like, oh my gosh, I've met a destiny and now I've met a diversity. And then she walks away. (laughs) I'm like, that's not my name. I am diversity in this comedy show. That's not my name. So that was that was a fun experience. And now I'm just going by diversity. And if I ever become a stripper, that will be my name. Oh my God, yes. Yes. Um, this is actually my favorite season. I love fall. I do, because you can wear like big sweaters and boots and just get all cozied up. I literally like wore a Snuggie to work the other day, just put a belt around it and walked right in with confidence. Said hello to everybody. Didn't even act like I was wearing pajamas. Um, I love fall. You get reunited with all like the pounds that I lost this summer you know it's like hey how have you been haven't seen you what's it been like three months (laughs) oh yeah you're coming over for good for the next nine months oh you're bringing friends perfect right here right next to my belly I missed you um that is something that is awesome I miss those pounds they're back they're back Oh, I don't know if anybody can relate to this, but I have too many Brian's in my life. 
Seriously. Like, I just have too many Brian's. So white people, I'm gonna need you to step it up with the names. Like, I work with a Brian, my coworker's married to a Brian, my other coworker's married to a Brian. Like, I need you to step it up with the names. Get a black friend, listen to some of the names, start putting random stuff together and making names like a plant and a vase, just call them a plavase. Like, that's a beautiful name for a child. Like, I just wanna be in the grocery store 10 years from now and I see this cute little blonde hair, blue-eyed little boy, and his mom is like, Deontay, you get over here. You leave that quinoa alone. I just, like, that is my dream. That is my dream. I'm going to leave you with this. So, again, my name is Khadija, and I knew from a really early age that that was going to be hard for people. (laughs) And when I say hard for people, I mean hard for white people to say, because the first day in kindergarten, um, the teacher's taking roll call, and she's like, Sally. And the yes. And then I see her stop and pause and look at her sheet and take a really deep swallow. <laughs> and she goes, mm. then she said, cottager. And I looked at Sally, and I'm like, that's a stupid fucking name. <laughs> Whose name is that? I looked at another girl. I'm like, is that you? I looked at somebody else. Is that you? Is that your stupid name? And then I look back at the teacher, and she says, I'm sorry. The last name's Cooper. And I'm like, that's me. My name is Khadijah. <laughs> I looked at Sally. I was like, holy shit. We're not going to learn nothing from this lady. She can't even read. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Um, thank you. So I haven't. Yeah, I'm kind of like half tearing up. <laughs> and so, and like, in, I feel like everyone needs that in this like winter. We're going into winter. Things are sad. In yeah. Minnesota. This is when comedy is at its robust. Yes. Right? We're all sad and cold <laughs> and rickety. We're like, come laugh. Yes. <laughs> um, so thank you for joining me, Khadija. Thank you for having me on the show. Yes. And I want to plug your show um or people comedy show um november 2nd 7 30 and 9 30 where is it at sisyphus brewery in minneapolis yes. tickets are ten dollars you can get it on get tickets online sisyphusbrewery.com or you can like people of comedy facebook page and the events on there as well Yes, and if you're not in Minneapolis, like, sorry for you because you're going to miss out on some dope-ass comedy. Or you can drive. If you have a car, just drive. Yeah, just come here. Just drive. Just drive to Minneapolis. Yes. Um, And, yeah, this is Rahel signing out. Peace. Peace.